0: And then the last part of that workshop is how to take care of yourself while taking care of others. Um, And that's a three-hour workshop, and we have one coming up later this month. And so you're going to get maybe 20 minutes worth of information from you here. And if it's striking important with you or people in your life who you think would benefit from the information, Um, I have cards um, and you can learn more about. Today, I usually to talk a little bit about laying some groundwork in terms of the content that we're covering in the future. So, if you, uh, if you it lands on you in a way you expecting, you know that it's okay to take care of yourself and whatever, like that. So if, you, if you need to get up and of water, you do that. If you need to pull out um, some Play or something that like is not a major in whatever, so I do because I do just out this very time, But if you have something that, yeah, that I can do, I mean, um, all of that is grounding. the other thing I'll say is a little bit of background um, language. So, I try to use language very intentionally um, when I'm talking about interpersonal violence. Oftentimes, if you us talk about a survivor or victim, I use those words interchangeably. I use them interchangeably on purpose because if somebody engages in a system, so they report to law enforcement, or they report to the university, or they um, seek some sort of formal governmental service, they would be called. Then that's the word that you're going to use with that person you victim, um, that's the word that you would use. If they use something else, then use the something else. Um, that's a we way to honor um, where that person is at and um, give them some of markback. The other piece about language you'll hear and talk about is I try to use gender neutral pronouns when talking about derivors, because um, you know, anyone can derive know that non binary folks, trans folks, and people who identify as cis women experiences at much higher rates than cis men, and that doesn't mean that, mm-hmm. that everyone can survive in a person's mm-hmm. um, so, um, And So, if I'm not giving a specific example, I will try to use gender neutral pronouns. However, when I'm talking about people who perpetrate, you are hearing use gendered pronouns, and I think that's really important because overwhelmingly, alliance are um, And if we remove that from the conversation that we used in the neutral pronouns, it removes the responsibility of the who are causing harm. And so I very intentionally am doing that, to you know that it's not a um, slip or, um, and there are some things I do slip, right? Um, especially if I'm using the explicit you might here As all people can be perpetrators creators as well. And especially when we're talking about interpersonal violence on a college campus, 97% of our perpetrators are men. when um, we're talking about college um, populations. And so it doesn't disturb So, to start, I want to start kind of big picture in talking about race-supportive culture. Have you all heard that term before, race and culture? Some yeses some noes, I'm not part the room. So, race important culture is, um, well, to the definition. Um, in a race culture, people are surrounded with images, language, laws other everyday phenomena that validate and perpetrate rape. Rape culture includes jokes, TV, music, advertising, legal jargon, pause, words, and imagery that make violence against women and sexual coercion seem so normal that few people believe rape is inevitable. Rather than viewing the culture of as a problem to change, people in rape culture think the persistence of rape is just the rape. This is what it means when people say that sexism and violence against women are naturalized. It means that people that are in our current society, these attitudes and actions, have always been and will always be. So, while it uses the word rape in its title, it does not. It's not solely for that. It's for all forms of interpersonal violence. We live in a culture that accepts violence against women and violence against trans folks as. And we see that in a lot of different ways. We see that in um, the most recent example we've been using is the Kavanaugh case from last year. So that was about one year ago when Brett Kavanaugh was um, up for debate on whether or not he should be on the Supreme Court or not. And there were multiple people saying, this homosexuality should not be a part of consideration for his current job size, right? And the women who came forward were receiving um, and so it was. People who were unable to hold that to speak up against the people in power, can cause dramatic harm to itself um, and the people in power. There's really no consequences for um, for having caused harm, them, right? So that's just a very, regardless of your politics on that situation, it's a good example of how. You, Culture exists, and how people can excuse away behaviors or say that that doesn't matter. Another example: we are currently doing renovation in our home, and I'm sitting with. If folks are arrested for domestic violence or abuse of children, and they are in helping professions such as social work, such as nursing, um, psychiatry, if you have an arrest record for any of those things, it's very hard to employ. They do background checks for all of those things. So, and mostly women are in those positions, I'm speaking in a general sense. right? For construction folks, they don't have the same sorts of background checks, and yet they're coming into my home while my children are there, and they haven't gone through a background check. And so that's some systemic sexism that happens um, in ways that allow people who are mostly the ones causing that harm to go about their day Remain waiting for the employee, while other folks who have experienced oppression in a variety of different ways are being held to a different standard. So, this is just an example of how that kind of culture exists. So, people who have a history of domestic violence, who are not, not allowed to own guns, who might have a history of harming children, can go in and out of individual homes um, if they're part of the construction And that's not something I've ever thought about before until I entered into in my house. I'm like, oh wait, what sorts of um, checks and balances are in place to whether these people are actually safe people to be in my house? They're really accepting. And I asked, I asked my contractor that, and he said, like, oh, we just trust them. We just know they're good, good people. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, because of some of the knowledge that I have Wow, I know these professional workers are at house, right? So it ha- didn't happen to be that it was a company that we didn't use. Yeah, and that's a good example of how great um, supportive culture exists. But that can still go into help, right? That's a problem. And, and it, that's just one of many problems that we need to figure out how to how is on the systemic level. So then when we think about people well, coming down to the individual level, how do you support individuals going through um, surviving or how do you hold supporting the person and not and pushing back against systems that might have um, some inherent oppression built into those systems, right? And I think that being a good support person is being able to hold When you have a person in front of you saying, this happened to me, Last weekend's well, of, party, you and know, I was sexually assaulted, it's hard not to believe that person in front of you, right? But when you have um, friends who say, well, you know, I believe survivors, but in high school, my best friend was accused of sexually assaulting, and I, I know my best friend was never sexually assaulted. And, and so, like, there are times, too, when people it up. Really, there is. Um, the false reporting of statistics are, are no higher than any other type of crime. The um, FBI those statistics, the false reports are on sexual violence between 2 and 8% of the time it's a false report. Um, and even in those cases, that 2 to 8%, they're naming a stranger. They're not naming a specific person. When we're talking about IC experiences from this person here, those false reporting rates are even lower. They're lower than other types of people who you say that my car got broken into. Um, that's a, a higher false reporting statistic than sexual violence or interpersonal violence. And so if a person is implying naming that this person did this, it's very likely that that person did that. And we're looking at this type of violence happens in drug community, so you, if you know the driver, you probably also know the perpetrator. And it's a lot easier to be this person about what happened to them, but to believe that this person who's in my life could have caused this harm. Um, and so that's that's really a struggle for a lot of support folks, is to, to figure out where to fall on that. And I've heard a lot of support folks be like, well, I just won't take a side. And how that lands on the survivor is very clear, that you are taking a side, and the side is the side of the perpetrator, because if there is no not taking and said to that survivor, I'm not a person that you can trust around, around this. If, if that support isn't there, if you don't believe that person. That you can. Um, and so there really is no way to remain control in these situations. It's, it's hard for us as support people to figure out. Um, and so, how we do that. Believe. Um, i already told you about the false reporting statistics. So if somebody is saying this happened to them, it happened to them. If they're naming uh, a stranger, a stranger often do happen. Um, also, if they're naming a stranger, it might be that the person that heard them is not safe enough to say. Right. So that when we're talking about those FBI uh, statistics, what we found is that if they name a stranger, they actually do have a trauma history, and they know who their perpetrator is, but it's not. Even those that have been deemed a false report about a particular shape or they are still seeking resources and support of what's and their experience, even if the incident they're leaving in that particular moment is not accurate. If so that makes sense. Um, and so, believe them. That's, that's where we start. And it has to be authentic. If you don't believe them, don't say that you believe them. You'll know when are but hopefully having some of this information about the false reporting statistics and how hard it is to come forward and talk about what's happening can um, help you have some more context for making it a little bit easier to complete someone. Sure. Um, so B is in B e is empowered. Um, empower looks like, to me, empower looks like I'm really sorry that this has happened to you. Here are the options that I know are available. Let's talk about which ones they sent. Right? So you're laying out options. That's all that advocacy does. Is we, as an advocate, I'm like, you can do these four things that I can think of right now. Which of these things like you want to do? Right? advocacy is not, here's what I think you should do. Here's the one thing that is the best option for you right now. Um, as an advocate and then as a support person, you can best empower someone by remaining control. Because I firmly believe that, that each individual survivor will pick be the best option for them. And that is very different option depending on the circumstances for that survivor. So some survivors may make a lot of sense to report to the For some survivors, that's not even an option that they want to consider. One, police may not be a, an agency that has been historically uh, supportive of, of that person's identity. That's a possibility. Another reason some of them may not report to police is that um, if I report to the police, then all of my friends will know that this happened and I will lose all of my support They will all choose to particular side, and I can't I can't survive this not having my friends. And so they, it may make more sense for them to remain silent within their circles about what happened. Um, and that's a very valid choice, right? And so if we come with any sort of agenda about you should do this or I would That is taking away that empowerment piece. And so laying out whatever options you can think of in a neutral way is how is how I think about empowerment. And that could even be like, you know what, I don't have a lot of expertise in this area. Let's be connected to an advocate. They're a confidential resource, you can sell them anything and and they'll keep it with themselves. How many of you in this room are um, employed by Colorado State university? Lots of you all probably know about your role as a responsible employee, so if someone makes a disclosure to you, you have to then report that to, to our safety assessment office, right? So, if you're in a room with a student or even a co-worker um, a who discloses something to you. You'll have to report that. and so one of the ways you can be empowering is say, you know, I can only hear your story, the more you tell me, the more I have to whether or not how much you want to say, if you don't want any of that to be a report, let's take you to a confidential So that's still very empowering. It's still supportive. It doesn't say. And sometimes I think when we are in our new role as a responsible employee, we have that moment of like, wait, don't tell me. We want to like protect them and offer them um, full autonomy. But that like, wait, don't tell me can um, can make them feel like feel. Um, so that's empowerment. Um, the S stands for support, and support means supporting whatever choice they make, even if that's a different choice than what you personally would make. Right? Like maybe you really don't like hospitals. Lots of people don't. But maybe a same exam, you know, that's the forensic collection exam, where put that in the streets, right? And so you'll be fully supportive of whatever decision that they're making. as I think that advocates go to the hospital with focusing as support. So if you personally don't want to do that and you want someone to go with them or they want someone to go with them, you'll do that. Um, So that's important and then the T is very important. I can talk about it having two different T's. So it's like best um, one is if you are a responsible employee, you do have to tell someone. Right? So that's that's one of the keys. Um, the one that I, that I think is present in all situations is to take care of yourself. It can be an incredibly difficult providing support to survivors of their personal backlogs. Um, it can bring up issues from your own past, it can um for folks who are in a uh, violence relationship. Um, he may not be ready to leave. It can be really hard to watch them stay in a relationship with the person who's causing them harm. I have a lot of caregivers do something of them watching their friends or loved ones go through that. And so finding ways to take care of yourself um, is incredibly important so that you can be a part for this person to go on. What I see from a lot of the participants is they're really good in. That this happened, and then we as a group are really good about being there. What gets harder is months down the road when they're still struggling, you, You're kind of well of um, energy to put towards someone else's hurt is depleted. And um, so we'll hear things from support people months down the road and like Oh my i still up for you. Like, I'm surprised they are not over it yet, or stuff like that, right? And that can manage harm survivor like literally getting out of bed is a, a super human fee for them in a day. Um, and so finding ways to be that good support for the long run and taking care sure of yourself is um, huge in being able to be a very good support person. Um, that is a lot of what we cover in that extended workshop that I was talking about, the secondary Survivors Workshop. We spend a good amount of time about how do you manage vicarious trauma vicarious trauma is um, something that folks um, in healthy professions and support people experience high, at high rates now, so the trauma didn't happen to me personally but I have I might be impacted by my sleep is disrupted I constantly worried about this person and I'm constantly worried about how very charming so learning how to manage manage and how to get that idea trauma is a four piece of being able to be a physical personal walk There are books that you can use about that. So I have trauma stewardship here. Um, the book is called Trauma Stewardship An Everyday Guide to Caring for Self or Caring for Others. Um, by Laura, a um, That's a really good book for figuring out how you So this can happen to reason you can have some people come up around around like why is it how this person and not to this person? So this book is really good about a big break out the about these pieces. The other book that I brought with to me today is a book called Trust After Trauma, A Guide to Relationships for Survivors and Those Who Love Them by After Daddy Speakers. Um, this is a good book for the survivor, but there's a whole chapter. It's chapter 14 and it's significant others. So how do you be in a relationship with someone who has to personal violence. And so these this look helps you figure out ways to engage doctrine learning within things So So Oh I know you said you cover a lot more in the, um, the three hour workshop, um, but just a question of if somebody discloses um, information or an incident of interpersonal violence, but they don't want you to tell anybody else, like what are recommendations or suggestions for self-care for that supporter who like can't disclose that to anybody else then? your own support system. So I'm a confidential advocate. Um, and so the stories that I hear all day, every day, I can't really discuss with folks outside of my office. But that doesn't mean that I don't go home at the end of the day and tell my partner, I have a really hard day. I'm emotionally drained. I just need some help and care of myself, right? Um, and so I can still seek support from other folks without naming what happened. One of the resources that I would go to do is who else is in your support system that you could be like. I have some friends who are going through some stuff right now and I'm trying to hold space for them, but it's on me that I'm not sure how i can do it. So like, you can see support from others, just like their support system. Now, that being said, I typically advise you to not seek support from the How could this happen to my child that then the person who experienced virtual violence is now caretaking for the other person, right? Um, and that doesn't really land really um, it, it makes them feel like, well, I was equal support and now I'm in the role of a supporter. Um, or how why is this all about this other person right now? So I'm not just parents, I've seen it in partners and, and, and times as well. Um, so, of yourself by seeking you support from others, just not the person who is seeking support from you. Yeah. And then do whatever makes you feel good, right? So um, you we know call that self care, and we talk a lot about practice good self care. And sometimes self care can seem journalist, like, oh, get a massage or a pedicure or take a bubble bath. Some of those things are really actually very helpful, and self care is much easier. So, it's about getting good sleep. It's about setting uh, healthy boundaries with folks in your life. And so, all of those things, if so you can practice being self care at that deeper level of what we're talking about with self care, um, is really important. For instance, I get a massage every month, um, and there's a lot of privilege in me being able to afford that. And I work with all day every day. I have three children at home. And so, I have everyone in my life needs things from. They need things from me as a mom, they need things for me as a partner, they need things for me as an advocate. And so that one hour a month is me being able to say, like, I need to be taken care of. So, yes, I'm getting a massage and there's like the actual physicality physical of someone physically touching me. But It's that person's job to think about no one else but me for that. job that physically not take care of me. And so, so, so that's deeper to me than just getting a massage and making my shoulders one time. Um, it, it is me saying I'm important enough to be cared about. Right? Um, and so what, however you think about that um, self-care piece, um, and as long as it's intentional and healthy, right? And sometimes you have unhealthy. Person, you're not coming, shouldn't be doing so much, or you're high for like seven days, right? That may be the only thing that's keeping them alive at that moment, right? so, if we take that away from them, they've now lost the thing that's being helpful for them. And so, we don't want to take away supports, even unhealthy supports, until we replace them with something that's healthier. And that goes for secondary supports, too, right? So, do what makes you feel good.
1: So this is I think kind of like a two part question so knowing um or knowing um that rape culture supports victim shaming and all of these other barriers that make it difficult for someone to to report that how is a an advocate can you sort of work through that like if they if they like or what sort of steps are there to say you might not want to do this now, but like here are some things you should do if you want to do this down the road uh, and then second, <clears throat> how can we Sort of work on dismantling rape culture so that that first part isn't really a barrier or less of a barrier. Yeah, really good
0: question. So I see, I said this earlier too, where I see advocacy is taking care of the person in front of you, but often helping to dismantle systems, right? Um, and so some of the ways that we have done that, I mentioned the same exam earlier. Um, that's a forensics exam that's done at a hospital uh, by a certified. Um, and that exam itself can take four to six hours. So it's a long exam and it can take a lot of time. Before they can to start that exam, they have to be signed off um, as medically cleared by the ER doctor. We all have it in the In Colorado, in some places that might be. Um, so one of the things that we noticed recently was, was if we go to a hospital with a survivor, Sometimes we have to wait for two hours before we see the ER doctor, and then they're calling in the same nurse, right? So then you're there for those four to six hours after that. Um, so one of the things that we have done is how can we remove this barrier um, for the for survivors? Well, I've worked it out with the same nurses, the head same nurses, there's two our programs where I have their phone and we know that we're going to um, Hospital with a survivor, I can call them and say, Hey, it's Casey, it's 10 30, um, and we are coming to the Peter Valley Hospital to get in the same and we'll be there about 11. So they can go ahead and start sending their same nurses to the hospital. And the same nurses are really good about helping the ER docs be like, Could you just sign this paper? Saying you're okay, okay. Like the docs come in and look at our patient, they don't need anything, sign the paper. And so that helps cut down. Um, some hours of time that the time to spend at the hospital. So that's one of the ways that as an advocate, I was like, if here is a problem, how can I help remove that barrier for someone? And there's number there's a number of different ways that we've done some of that, um, that helped make things just a little bit easier in a system that's a requirement, right? Um, so that's some of what I'm hoping as an advocate. Um, and then for folks who are wanting to be good support systems, I, I would say um, getting involved in, well, we're here at the diversity solution, right? And so this whole week has been, how do we have a firmer understanding of some of the oppression that happens in the culture that we live in? And this is just one way of how that type of oppression can happen. Um, so doing your own work about understanding um, about fully um, supporting survivors. Either even if it's so it ones that you know, that fully support them. If it's ones that you hear about, fully support them. So there have been a number of high profile um, folks who have been uh, abused of sexual violence. Um, and a lot of people come to the detective, Um, and not allowing that person to engage any longer. So, an example of this is Brock Turner. I don't know how many of you remember Brock Turner. He, um, this was the Stanford case from a while ago. Um, he was caught in the act of raping a woman, don't know killer. She just the book, uh, and she said some stuff about talking about, about her experiences. So, he was caught in the act. His sentencing was very light three months um, after being filmed, responsible. And a lot of the national narrative at that time was about, oh, his life is now ruined. He was doing be in an Olympic athlete, all these things, right? He now is touring college campuses talking about the danger of overconsumption and alcohol. So college campuses are paying him to come and speak at their universities about the dangers of alcohol. A systemic way that we can get involved is to not pay people to come and do stuff like that, right? He's um, not going to see it too, but that I'm aware of. Um, I think that we would have some things to say about that. Um, also, I think it's a misnomer to say that becoming a rapist is a that it's okay to take advantage of a person or to remove their humanity from them and whatever you can cause them pain and harm um inherently within you as a person um, and that's alcohol maybe help will persuade those information that exists already um because they didn't have a lot of support right his dad defended him by saying his life shouldn't be ruined really from 20 minutes of action. And it happens over and over again. It happened in Steubenville several years before that. It happens at Notre Dame several years before that. Um, And so this is a pattern that we see repeat over and over again. And at some point, we as a culture have to say no. We're not engaging in this. Um, That this behavior is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And we can do that on an individual level. We can do that on a policy level. Um, And you can do that in whatever realms of. Tangible examples would be, um, well, we have been trying to be fund a scholarship for survivors of interpersonal violence for a number of years. Um, because we get so overwhelmed with, um, not overwhelmed, because we are so busy with providing support, we have not done a great job of getting that out there. But also, why why is that on our office to create that scholarship? you have to. To have an endowed scholarship, you have that $25,000 um, that you have endowed, to then, then you, the scholarship is the interest off of that, We right? um, haven't been able to get that endowed. But people are giving lots of money to other areas of campus um, that don't have that same type of purpose, right? Um, and so how do we redirect where we're spending our, our money? How do we redirect um, what what um, businesses or um, fields we're supporting that may um, not be doing? So how do you help a victim who doesn't really think that they need to do any other steps or they don't really think it's a big deal? Each was what someone's doing or opinion, 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 sometimes folks feel like they're holding it together better than they actually are. And so, for instance, at the end of the semesters, um, as finals roll around, that tends to be a higher time in our office because the survivor was. I thought I was doing okay, and now I realize I'm doing all of my classes. I wasn't holding it together the days in which I thought I was holding it together. One of the reasons I think it's really important for us as support systems to find ways to take care of ourselves Meredith would saying, I'm fine. And Alex Perez was like, you know, you said that word so many times today. I don't even need to you know what it means anymore, right? So that's a good example of a friend holding up a mirror and being like, I don't know that you are. Um, and so you can say, you know, I know that you said that you're okay. And I've noticed that you haven't done anything today. When was the last thing you had to know? Or um, maybe you're not even that direct. Maybe you've noticed that they haven't eaten anything in the past couple days, and so you're like, Can I take a lot more cheese? That's a way of intervening about being.
1: So that's all for this episode of We Believe You, Advocacy Resources and Healing around Interpersonal Trauma. Please remember that the WGAC is here to provide support for all CSU students 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email wgac at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E For more information about advocacy in the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, go to WGAC You can also find the WGAC on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. A big thank you to Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in the podcast, and to our partnership with KCSU here at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to KCSUFM.com.